What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Cat Brooks. In 2022, U.S. police murdered 1,096 people. According to the Washington Post, this year, law enforcement has murdered 475 folks. That's an increase of 59 people since our last roundup, and we don't even know most of their names. There were no marches, rallies, rebellions, or hashtags for them. Most of their families grieved in silence and solitude. It's critical to understand that police murders are just the tip of an egregious iceberg of transgressions against our people. Law enforcement serves as a militarized occupying army in our communities and neighborhoods. They racially profile, sexually assault, and wrongfully incarcerate our folks. If we don't know what's happening, then we can't fight back. We can't adequately organize a response. So, every week on Law and Disorder, we kick off our Thursdays with a roundup of news related to state violence. We hope this segment serves to expose, agitate, and build. This is the State Terror Roundup for the week of July 3rd, 2023. Following the murder of a 17-year-old motorist by French police and subsequent rebellions, authorities in France beefed up efforts to crack down on the unrest. More than 1,300 protesters have been arrested as cars and buildings were set ablaze. France's interior ministry announced the 1,311 arrests countrywide, with 45,000 police officers fanned out in a so far unsuccessful bid to quell the rebellions. The state calls it violence. Listen here, burning cars or broken windows ain't violence. Murdering children as they drive their vehicles is. Family and friends prepared Saturday to bury the teen of Algerian and Moroccan descent, identified only as Nahel, in the Paris suburb of Nantir, where he resided and was murdered. Despite an appeal to parents by President Emmanuel Macron to keep their youths at home, street clashes between young protesters and police rage on. Since the turmoil, read rebellions, began on Tuesday night, police have made a combined 2,400 arrests. Hundreds of police and firefighters have been injured, the state says, including 79 just over the weekend. But authorities haven't released injury tallies for protesters. No surprise there. Nahil's mother told France 5 Television she was peeved at the officer who fired, but not at police in general. She said, quote, he saw a little Arab looking kid. He wanted to take his life. A police officer cannot take his gun and fire at our children, take our children's lives, end quote. I could not agree more. Video captured the moment two officers stood behind Nahel's car and pointed a weapon at the teenager, with one allegedly telling him that he was going to, quote, get a bullet in the head, end quote. Nahel, whose last name was not released, pulled the car away, which the cops saw as justification to fire his gun into the vehicle and murder the teen. And just like in America, the cops are justifying it by saying that they feared for their lives. President Macron, rather than blaming the escalating violence of the French police, blames social media for fueling the rebellions and has been actively surveilling what people are posting. French authorities say they will, quote, pursue every person who uses these social networks to commit violent acts, end quotes. Censorship, anyone? The rebellions come just over a year before Paris and other French cities are due to host Olympic athletes and millions of visitors for the Summer Olympics, another event, by the by, that wreaks violence and havoc on low-income communities in the countries who host the Games. The Paris Olympics training pool was burned during the rebellions Thursday night. The police officer accused of murdering Nahel was given a preliminary charge of voluntary homicide. Preliminary charges mean investigating magistrates strongly suspect wrongdoing, but need to investigate more before sending a case to trial. 13 people who didn't 
comply with traffic stops were fatally shot by French police last year. This year, another three people, including Nahel, died under similar circumstances. Source, Rich Calder, The New York Post. Turning our attention now to one of the most brutal and unaccountable police departments in the country, the Phoenix PD. The family of two brothers killed in a police shooting in 2020 has settled a lawsuit with Phoenix City Council for $1 million. The settlement comes as the city waits for the U.S. Department of Justice to finish its investigation into the city's police department, including its use of force. Though, if Oakland is any example, a lot of fat good that'll do. George and Emmett Cochram died after police responded to a 911 call from Emmett Cochram's mother, She said she thought Emmett would hurt or kill her, according to a recording of the 911 call. Police got to her house near 22nd Street and Indian School Road and found Emmett and his brother George arguing with each other. Police said George had a rifle and pointed it at Emmett when police fired. Both men were shot and killed. It was unclear who shot Emmett. The original $12 million lawsuit filed in April 2021 claimed that George never filed a rifle and it was later found inside the home, nowhere near either brother. Their father had died four years before the shooting and the brothers were the only family left to the mother before they were murdered. Quote, she has no one to give her love to and she feels as though she lost her purpose in life, end quote, the claim said. Between 2008 and 2018, Phoenix paid out about $26 million in settlements, according to reporting from KJZZ. In 2023, there have been 16 Phoenix police shootings so far that have left seven dead. Source, Miguel Torres, Arizona Republic. Not one, but two police murders in western Pennsylvania over the weekend. Cops say a trooper in Indiana County tried to stop a vehicle on Sunday night shortly, but the driver fled. And despite all the data that shows police chases are unsafe and reckless, that's what the cops did for several miles. Then they got bored, I suppose, and one or more troopers the report isn't clear, shot the driver, though details have yet to be released. Then, in the western Pennsylvania county of Westmoreland, a cop shot and killed a man in his home. Those details, too, are under wraps, no doubt, till they can get their story straight. Stay tuned, y'all. Source, Fox News. Sherry Towers, a data scientist, says she's found evidence that Seattle police killings have worsened since the federal government began monitoring the department a decade ago. She sent those findings to a U.S. District Judge James Robart before a May 30th hearing that could result in the end of most federal oversight through the city's decade-old consent decree. At issue is a difference of opinion between consent decree stakeholders and Towers about how much police use of force is too much and whether the city has done enough to leave federal oversight behind. Towers, who was known for a 2015 study looking at the contagion effect of mass shootings, started looking at national police killings data as part of a Department of Homeland Security funded project. And she mentioned to a colleague following the progress of the consent decree that King County's rate seemed higher than average. Towers then used public data from Seattle Police, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and the FBI, as well as the Washington Post Police Shooting Database, to conclude that about 1 in 10 people who have died by homicide in Seattle between 2013 and 2019 have been killed by a police officer. In March, City of Seattle and Department of Justice lawyers asked Judge Robart to find the police department in substantial compliance with the consent decree established in 2012 after investigators found evidence of biased policing and that the department regularly used excessive force. The city cited the federal monitor's report showing a 60% decrease in the use of the most serious types of force, including shootings between 2014 and 2021. Towers, however, said that fatal police shootings specifically have increased since the consent decree was established and that racial disparities have gotten worse. This would be on par with the backlash the rest of the country has faced from law enforcement as the push to end state terror only continues to escalate. 
Towers found that in the seven years before the 2012 settlement, Seattle police fatally shot 12 people. But between 2013 and 2019, officers murdered 21 people. Over the same time period, she also found that the percentage of fatal shootings of non-white people, you guessed it, increased. The American Civil Liberties Union of Washington filed a brief in the consent decree case making similar arguments about continued racial disparities in policing. The organization cited Seattle Police Department's 2019 use of force report that showed force was used on people of color more than 50% of the time, despite the city being 65% white. Source, Sydney Brownstone, The Seattle Times. And oh, Vallejo, where the shenanigans never stop. The Vallejo Police Officers Association has held up a city contract that would have added an outside police oversight consultant despite the city council voting to approve the contract more than two years ago. Independent oversight is just one of 45 recommendations that the State Department of Justice has called for in its collaborative agreement with the city and the Vallejo Police Department. However, the Vallejo Police Officers Association wrote in a July 2021 letter that is entitled to engage in a collective bargaining process over the responsibilities of the interim independent auditor that are outlined in the contract. Yeah, because the agency being watched should set the terms of the watching. You can't make this stuff up, y'all. The contract was approved by City Council in February 2021, but in June of that year, the Sonoma County Sheriff's Deputies Association prevailed in a lawsuit over a similar case requiring Sonoma County to engage in a meet and confer process prior to establishing oversight of the Sheriff's Office. Shortly after that ruling, the VPOA filed their grievance to stop the city from executing the independent auditor contract with the OIR Group. The grievance noted the independent auditor's ability to access the department's complaint investigation files, personnel discipline records, and conduct independent investigations. Um, how else are they supposed to oversee y'all? The OIR group has previously conducted a scathing evaluation of department culture and drafted the 45 recommendations that are now required by the Department of Justice. It also investigated the 2020 fatal murder of Sean Monterosa and found that Detective Jarrett Tan had violated policies when he killed him. So basically, the OIR group is no favorite of the VPD and they're going to do what they can do to stop them from getting the gig. I mean, if you were as dirty as them, would you want all eyes on you? Yeah, me neither. Source, Ryan Geller, the Vallejo son. Every time I think I can't loathe her any more than I do, she does something else to convince me this woman is void of any and all humanity. I'm talking about the one and only San Francisco District Attorney, Brooke Jenkins, who has effectively told the San Francisco Police Department that as long as she's DA, they can beat, rape, and kill our community members with impunity. Mission Local reports that Jenkins is dismissing San Francisco's last police shooting case filed by her predecessor and one-time campaign rival, Chesa Boudin, for the murder of Sean Moore by Officer Ken Cha. It is the third and final police shooting case brought by Boudin only to be dropped by Jenkins. The family was notified via a phone call on a Sunday evening. Gross. Kenneth Blackman, Moore's brother, says, quote, I'm very angry. I'm beyond angry. I'm in disbelief, to be honest with you. End quote. I wish I could say I was in disbelief too, Kenneth, but kind of saw this one coming. Williams did not give Blackman a reason for the dismissal, Williams being the ADA that called, except to say that it was related to actions by a, quote, former prosecutor, end quote, vomit. Anyone? Source, Joe Ravano Barros, Mission Local. 
This has been the State Terror Roundup for the week of July 3rd, 2023. State Terror Roundup soundtrack provided by Coffee Brown, an Oakland musician, singer, and songwriter who's been a force in the Bay Area's hip-hop and soul scene since the early 1990s. You can check her out at kofybrown.com and her website and socials are linked from our site at kpfa.org. Shout out to my producer, Jesse Strauss, who helps me curate the content for these segments. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.